Yeah, the whole mask thing, really. It, it, right, it's a time in hip hop where things, from my point of view, started going more to what things look like opposed to what things sound like. You know what I mean? Before, we ain't know what MCs look like until we went to the party and seen them rocking, you know what I'm saying? Or seen them, you know. Most of the time you see them rocking at a show before you even knew, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, before video, pre-video, you know, so, you know, you really was going off the sound of the record, straight skills. See, once it started getting more publicized and, you know, it started being hip-hop, started being more of a, a money-making thing, then you get these corporate ideas where you want to put what it looks like to sell what it sounds like. We're dealing with music, so... What I did was I said, all right, look, I'm gonna come with the angle of, it don't matter what I look like, you know, it don't matter what the artists look like, it's more what the artists sound like. So the mask really represents the, the whole, like, to rebel against the trying to sell the product as a human being, you know what I mean? It's more of a sound, so, you know, and at the same time, it, you know, it, it's something different, you know what I'm saying? And it fits with the theme of the rebel, the villain, where, you know, to him, he don't care about the fame and all that shit. That shit is of no consequence, you know what I mean? It's more of the message of what's being said. So I think it helps people focus more on what's being said. And it's still entertaining. It's still like the theater, and it has the appeal of, uh, you know, something that could be considered entertaining, but that message is still there that, yo, you know, villain represents anybody anybody in here could wear the mask and be a villain male female any race so-called race you know what i mean it's about what, what where you coming from from your heart you know what i'm saying like what what is the message what you got to say you know what i mean so that's that's mainly why i um chose to bring the mask into the fold
something like what makes you think like oh that's that's definitely like the peak of artistic talent um i think like it's just something like that you see and you instantly connect with like whether it's like a painting or a drawing or like a song or a piece of writing or anything like something like you can literally just feel what the artist intended you to feel and you like instantly connect with it okay yeah that makes a lot of sense i i think i agree with that too it's something you peak, have to. Yeah, uh, you can go. For it. My bad, Kevin. Um, all good. No, go ahead, Kevin. Go ahead, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna um, add on. I think it's something you have would have to understand from your own experiences in order you in order for you to like understand what the uh, artist is trying to convey. And once you understand that connection, you have that connection. You can actually see it as a masterpiece. And it has that originality that kind of and somewhat diverges from your own thoughts. Right. Yeah. That was very well put. Yeah, like especially with pieces that you may not necessarily like fully understand but are still able to get what the artist is trying to give you is like, yeah. It's really good. I feel you. Yeah. yeah. I think I, I think an artist can have multiple peaks throughout his lifetime. Like, like art you make when you're young, it will be different from like art you make in like your fifties or like whatever. Like, like Picasso, he lived like long, right? He had like different stages yeah. of his art. So like, and like you obviously mature and you get more experiences, and you your style just... is always changing. Yeah. So wouldn't that mean like um, almost any piece could be a, a peak? Because if you, like, look at them at different stages of your life, you would view them differently. Yeah, I, I think, like, if you're, like, an older artist, like, looking at his, like, younger work, I mean, some artists don't even like doing that, you know? They don't even, they just look forward, but 
I think if you look back, it just reminds you of your youth and like the times you were living in or like your mindset. Yeah, I completely agree. I do I do think that like from my point of view, I think the, the peak well, what I see as a peak is like certain mediums of art that I, I personally see as more challenging to make than like say like cause I'm I draw, right? I've I've never sculpted a thing in my life, so. So you're you're, you're putting it in terms of like difficulty and skill. In, in terms of skill, yeah, but okay. I could definitely see mm-hmm. how conceptual art would be also be a peak as well. Yeah. But when I look at it, it's purely skill based, and in in terms of that lane, like sculpture is definitely the thing that I can admire the most, you know. So you want to sculpt Lennox? Dude, that'd be crazy. That'd be insane. I gotta learn, but... Back to, like, the different ages and different stages, I feel like any art that is, like, a peak art is gonna be able to, like, transcend those stages and ages and, like, I don't know, come across to a whole range of an audience, you know, like... But I feel like that for me is what peak art is because like everyone knows the term art can be defined as really anything. So like, I feel like there's anything that like people really just like no matter their age, no matter their background can find some sort of connection with and like feeling from it for me is what that would be. Again, I already said it, but there we go.
can do all kinds of physical things trying to find that peace that the world is seeking. But it will still be elusive because everything that is physical is... Yeah, that brings me to, all right, that brings me to my next little question. So you guys are all familiar with like concept, conceptual art, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, sure. I mean, so there's an example, right? So there's this guy named Joseph Kusuth. Kasuth, Kasuth, uh, I might have botched that. But he has an exhibit in a museum that basically has a physical chair, a picture of a chair, and the definition the definition of a chair. Just stuff like that, where it's like... The medium of art? Yeah, like... It's... Like, at, at face value, like, an exhibit will be very literal. Or, like, it'll just have, like, words on a canvas or, you know, like, a newspaper. Like... It's something like you have to kind of like peel back the layers yourself. What style is that with Deschamps? He was like really big on that. Deschamps, yeah, yeah, where he had the um, I think it was the chair with the wheel on top. That's yeah, concept. Yeah, we can hear you better. Sorry. Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah. What's that style card with Deschamps? Is it Duchamp? Besides conceptual yeah, like, art, I'm not. Like, it has a name, it has a name. Let me search it up. Ready-made, ready-made. <clears throat> ready-made art. No, no, it's, oh, okay, that was ready-made art, but it's, um... Oh, this is my song. Yeah. Um, can I just say something about the conceptual art? Yeah. I generally think it's kind of stupid, but, but um, I found, I was looking, I was on IG and I just saw this one, this one where it was these two clocks just next to each other on a wall and like when I look at that and I just think I'm just looking at two clocks next to each other on the wall, I'm like, oh my god, this is so stupid, but like the explanation behind it and the history behind it was like that the artist's basically clocks are gonna they're out of sync they're not all perfectly matched up so eventually they're gonna fall really really out of sync over years and years of time and eventually one will stop before the other one um stops and the idea was this artist who made it had aids basically and it was an ode to him and his lover always being next to each other and always being with each other but eventually one of them is gonna fall out of sync and just end up you know not working anymore and yeah so i feel like conceptual art is art that kind of has to be explained at least for me to like be able to connect with it because when i'm looking at it for its face value i kind of think like what am i looking at how is this art i think that's the point of conceptual art because it i heard somewhere it's more of the the concept rather than the actual art itself because like you said really like like you saw it and it was like how is it art and it made mm-hmm. you like look for the meaning or like read the explanation so i think that's like right. the point of the art so i think it's called dada lennox i was i was referring to dada art um okay but, but yeah it's like also like like minimalism the same thing like i think minimalism like, is stupid sorry yeah. minimalism <laughs> it's like the same thing 
Yeah, like like drawing a square in the center of a paper, slightly off-centered to represent some stupid crap. I think that's stupid. I'm sorry. I think, I think I kind of agree with you, and that's from looking at your perspective. It doesn't use any like real techniques. It references mm-hmm. something instead, or symbolizes something. And you yeah, would have I mean, to like look I'm into sorry, it. But... Yeah, go for it. Yeah. I mean, and then if we look at it from, like, Lennox's perspective of, like, what peak art in, in terms of, like, difficulty and, like, skill is, like, how could that be peak art? So it's definitely something that I feel like where people's definition of peak art has to, like, be able to mold to different things, you know? Because once I found out the history behind it, I was like, oh, my God, that's such a cool, meaningful piece. And was like, I should do that shit. I should put up two clocks in my room, you know? But, like... <laughs> But, um, but yeah, so, I don't yeah. know, I think it all just depends. I mean, I think, I mean, the older I've gotten, the more I've appreciated just because a lot of times you won't have that, that meaning, like, plastered on a wall for you to decide conceptual art. So, you know, take it for what it is, like, it's in this museum, like, you know, could you have done it yourself? Yeah, maybe, but it's there, you know? Yeah, who would have thought? Could have done it, but you didn't. Exactly. Exactly. But like now that it's there, it's like it gives you the chance to kind of add your own meaning to it, which I think is valuable, and it does offer a chance for you to self-reflect. At the very, at the very least, once you kind of figure it out for yourself, if you are able to do that, and like once you end up doing that, I think it's a lot more rewarding. So I think it empowers the viewer in a sense. Yeah, I don't know. I think it just all comes from the person, how they view art. Because, like, if I'm looking at, like, a chair upside down on the floor, I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? Can someone tell me? I'm not going to, I'm like, I'm not going to try to figure this shit out. (laughs) (laughs) I think it just depends what you're looking for. Like, are you looking for art for, like, visual, like, pleasure? Like, oh, that looks really nice. Or, like, some people just, like, will be more into that, like. Yeah, like, or trying to find meaning to, like, like a chair, like you said, Zoe. Like, it just depends. But, like, you know, everyone has their own, like, preferences. Like, if I showed my mom, if I showed my mom, like, an abstract painting, she might react different to, like, if I, like, showed her, like, a painting of a landscape, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. This song is tough. You know, this guy, they coined him like the Argentinian Hendrix. Really? Yeah. That's cool thing. Although, I would kind of want to stand on my own. Like, if I was ever a really, really good, like, artist, I feel like I wouldn't want to be referenced as, like, another artist. You know yeah, what I mean? it's just Hendrix was, Hendrix was just, like, I know who Jimi Hendrix is. <laughs> no, I'm just explaining. Like, it just he was just like so iconic. So like anyone who sounds like him, it's like 
and like this is in Argentina, like all inspired by blues by black people here in the in like the south, you know. I don't really want yeah. like global. I, don't, I just feel like if I work really hard to like perfect my craft and become my own artist, then like someone calling me an artist who like obviously I probably would respect and admire, but is not me is like kind of just like what's the word like devaluing my work, you know, or like not appreciating it for what it is at least. Watching this documentary called the history of rock in, in latin america and in some places latin like rock was illegal because there's a lot of government suppression like this there's this one this one artist his name is victor jara in, in chile and he was right. singing like songs of peace and protest and when the coup came in the pinochet they they cut his hands off he was a guitar player right? and they, they cut his hands oh, off as like, like a message so it was like dark days in latin america and i think it's like it happens everywhere i was talking to my dad today of like 
if he remembers any coops in the Guatemala. And he's like, yeah, he like all the time. And he was like, just like telling me memories of that. Like the Civil War and everything. Latin like, America is the best stuff. Definitely. And I think it's interesting to talk about music during those kind of eras because more value than it does it's easily you could you could like layer it so much and it it could have a completely different meaning back then or to the artist than it does to the general audience because the general audience can include for example it can include the government and they're not supposed to know that kind of information so you'd have to have like messages interlaced within the song to really get what you want to say out yeah, like, see why. Like, uh, um, I'll just say this quickly. Like, a uh, few, few of the artists are still alive, right? In the documentary, and they're explaining how they were literally called up by the leaders. And they're like, "If you sing this song again, we're gonna, we're gonna find you. We're gonna kill you." So like, imagine, like, like Biden calls you up. It's like, you sing this song again, I'm gonna shoot you. That's, that's super scary. I wish you would. (laughs) (laughs) I double dog dare you. Oh, you won't, you won't.
do you guys think art is pretentious? Um, yes, it definitely can be. Yeah, I was gonna say it depends, but yeah, definitely, definitely can. Why do you think so? Why do you think it can be? This is a good song, by the way. It's a good question. Because, <laughs> like, artists, some artists, well, to be an artist, you have to be self-centered, at least in, like, to a degree, you know? Because you have to, like, look inside. And some people will go above and beyond. And, yeah. Like, and, like, and especially if, like, with your art comes, like, fame, power influence like there's definitely it's like a possibility that you're going to be very pretentious like just think of like the whole art industry how it's like super hard to get into because it's power it's like it's influenced by rich people right so right. if you're in those circles of course you're going to be pretentious you know yeah, yeah i i think it's pretentious because like as josie said like there's definitely some artists who are just like very pretentious <laughs> like like it's just a trait that you can see in the art community a lot i feel like i mean there's definitely people who aren't but they're definitely people who really really are um but also i feel like going back to like the minimalist thing i honestly feel like that whole thing is pretentious like i feel like like mm. you're putting a lot more value and a lot more worth and like typing something up as this big thing when it's something I could do in two seconds on a piece of paper. You know, like, it, that's very pretentious to me. So, like, the minimalism art and, like, the conceptual art, for the most part, I feel like can be very pretentious. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I think, I think that um, modern, modern art is very catered towards conceptual art right in terms of the art industry like when you go to the art museums there's you'll see like one in my opinion you'll see one of two things right you'll see classics that are you know you'll see like your picassos your matisse's because those are that art has proven to sell in the market you know mm -hmm. and then any art that's not like that tends to be more conceptual because that also has a good chance of selling in the market because it I think it preaches a level of sophistication that the elite want to show.
sense it has to be pretentious i mean like nothing like you can like view view life in a certain way of like oh it's it, everything's meaningless you know so in a sense nothing is really important so i mean like the fact that like people put value into something or try to like overvalue something it isn't like essentially like negative you know and it's not a, like a bad thing it just means that they like value something you know and that they're creating a meaning for their own selves I think that's how I view it. Like because like like if you if you kind of like view something of like oh it's they're trying to make themselves more important than they seem then it's like they no one's really important but in a sense they are important to the people around them. So if you value art, if you if you if you put like I guess more into it than someone else would in like would think it deserves, then you know that's on them. I, at least that's how I see it because like yeah I mean I don't I think my art is extremely important to me but someone else may think that I'm just placing too much value into it or I'm think that it's too important and I should focus on something else but we just have different values so I think it's definitely something that changes from person to person but the way that I see life is like everything's kind of like meaningless so we have to create our own meaning yeah and that's where art comes into play for me yeah I think once you strip the negative connotation of the word pretentious, you know, yeah. art it sounds is negative, pretentious. Right? Yeah, art is pretentious by its very nature, and it's yeah. not necessarily a bad thing at all. Yeah, exactly. I, I, if, yeah, I argue that it's a, it's like a good thing. You know, it's like, it's like, it's creating value where like something isn't really valuable. Like, like if you if you view on like. If you view like everything on like, oh, does it give us the ability to survive? No, art does not give us like any sustenance or anything like that. But in a sense, it gives us something more. It gives us like, for at least for me, it gives me like a, sen a sense of like meaning. But like, you know, like it, it's kind of, we've evolved in a way of like, we don't have to fight to live anymore. We don't have to like worry about most things. So what do we have now? Like in the past i'm sure like in like centuries ago like the only thing that was on people's mind was like trying to live trying to like you know get food and like keep it moving but now that we have most of the things in abundance like we have the ability to focus on something else and so yeah in a sense like it doesn't really matter but for some it's extremely important and so yeah in many ways i, I agree with it it is very pretentious but yeah and, and in, in a good way in a very positive way yeah but i can that thing about surviving so that thing about surviving you said is very true because 
like the whole renaissance period came like right after the plague ended yeah so people were like tired of focusing on survival and they started focusing on the arts now obviously mm-hmm. like i mean we live we live in the u.s and like as many problems as there are we're so privileged you know so yeah like, i can say at least i don't have to worry about like survival so like yeah i can mm-hmm. i can have i have time to focus on art at the same time art is used to like critique you know the very society mm-hmm. that we live in exactly art is life yeah when, when you mentioned like the renaissance like i agree with that it's just like and also like i think pre-renaissance there was so much people in in europe that you know there was barely any land to work there was barely like barely anything to go around so people were more focused on living you know and the fact and at post the pan like pandemic post plague um you know there was so much like two-thirds of europe died you know there was so much land to work there was so much abundance you know there were so much things to go around and so people could focus more on on you know like the arts like you said you know like instead of like oh what am i going to eat next you know and and it's kind of like a cruel way to think it think of it though like at least the way that i think is just like so many people have to die for there to be a like a rebirth in art but it's like it's there's some kind of like beauty in it you know and i don't know like it's kind of like interesting that like after all the suffering you know like uh, like a sense of like cultural revolution could have happened or like yeah artistic revolution that's kind of like i think about that a lot that's kind of why i like history though because like it's like a series of events happening leading up to like this one big like this one big thing you know yeah yeah i mean i say back in the day i mean like 300 years ago like you yeah. have to, you have to pay, like 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 gold or some shit to like buy art supplies and stuff like that and some like some like uh materials were so rare that you couldn't even like get them for like a cheap penny like you know so and like now like i can just go to the art store curbs like wait curbside pickup bruh spend like 50 bucks to get like some some paper some charcoal and like i can start drawing and then i can post it up on the internet and if it's if it's decent if it's if it's generally like good and you know, like people will like it. You know, people will start like, and then you could like potentially blow up off of that if you put if you dedicate your time. But in the past, it was like nearly impossible. Mm. And I mean, like, yeah. But I mean, there's still like a gap because Although art supplies I think it's are really a- expensive. Yeah, I so think like that's kind of yeah. I think, Go ahead. I think the turn like towards the turn of the century and like, um, like really around the renaissance is when that culture began to shift change because like a lot mm-hmm. more people decided that they were going to become educated and a lot more people decided that they were going to dip their toes into things that they couldn't have done before so like i feel like as much as like as inaccessible as art supplies and art itself was you know hundreds and hundreds of years ago it was around like the time of the renaissance that people began like exploring it and when it became a more inclusive culture. I think yeah, it's I even way more inclusive today, but like I definitely think that is due to the progress and the change of mindset that took place back then. Cause like I just remember like Picasso wasn't rich. Like like you know like 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like. Yeah. Is yeah, but it's like, I agree. It was more like back then the problem was like finding people that could sponsor you and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Finding. So I like, guess like in a sense. We go ahead, finish. Sorry, I keep on interrupting. No, you're totally right. Like, it still was hard, but I think at that around that time is when people decided that it wasn't something that was strictly resigned for like upper class people and people who go to, who could go to art school. You know. Yeah, I agree with you there. Definitely. And I think that attributes itself to why art culture today is so inclusive. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, I think everything, bro. Yeah, I think things have changed a lot in terms of, you know, like, let's say you ended up making a piece of art and you wanted to sell it, you'd be able to negotiate it yourself and then, you know, find a price that's good for you. Right. Uh, easier because you have social media and okay. stuff like that and like and, you have people willing to pay you for your yeah but i i do i do still think that the other side of the coin where you're selling art through a studio and they have control over your your, your profit margins and yeah. what you what you make i think that's there's there's a world where that's still very real right especially if you reach the point where you have the privilege of getting your art in a studio or in a museum there's still that relationship between you and your employer that can tend to be toxic it's like there's this there's this there's this like phrase being thrown around like you need to own your masters which which is always very important but in the art world it's definitely it's definitely super important <laughs> it's it's essential you know what i mean because like I think in stuff like music, I can't speak for it personally, but in art, if you're not creating something that you believe in, the art you make is so closely intertwined with who you are. If you don't feel any sort of connection with it, even if it doesn't look bad, objectively speaking, you're going to hate it and you're going to in turn hate your whole profession, you know? So I do think the internet provides a lot more leeway for you to you know, own your masters or even, even more so own your, be your own master because you, you, you have the leverage in any negotiation with a, a big business if you have a following on social media because that's really what's most important these days. These metamorphic supernatural forces dominate what I see. A Gemini duality personalities always conflicted me. Oh, but don't be scared of me, girl. I can't explain. I know it's forward to you. I know it's hard to believe. God, give me the favor. I can't explain. More than a government. And I can need some assistance. Let me show you how. I can't explain. Oh, I should know. I spend around two times. I'll be there with the answer.
How do you feel that traditional definitions of success have impacted your own growing definition of creative success? Or I guess a good question to ask is like, how do you feel your own definition of success has grown? Even like recently, I just got out of like a very like capitalistic mindset of like, when I make enough money, I'll be all right, or I'll be happy. Um, I think for a long time, that was kind of like my goal, like making a lot of money. But um, that's not really like living, you know, um, at least for me. I mean, I think like, it's very, it's too easy for me, I think, you know, oh, like when you, when you hit a million bucks, you'll be happy, you know? And I think like that's just that that's just something that was drilled into my mind from from a young kid, um like you know just my parents like you, if you succeed you'll be happy. I mean like yeah I agree with like success you know but it doesn't success doesn't have to like uh, um, equal monetary. monetary yeah yeah monetary stuff you know like success can yeah. be like oh like like I'm, I I I work so hard to like make a realistic uh like figure drawing and I and I did it I'm, I'm successful you know like that's that's success to me now you know um 
my goal is to be content with life. That's yeah. that's kind of like success for me. Like like extremely happy. I don't really aim for that anymore because happiness is fleeting. You know, it's a state of mind. You know, but if you're mm-hmm. content with your life, that's that's like I think that's bliss for me. You know, that's happiness. Right. Um you know, so I think that's yeah that's where i've like reached to like where i want my success to be you know if i don't make enough money you know i i i won't be unhappy of course i'll be kind of stressed out in the moment but that doesn't necessarily mean i'll be unhappy you know i think my goal in life is to to make a good impact on the people around me but i mean like yeah it's changed a lot edwin you put that so beautifully and just perfectly Mm -hmm. like Oh my goodness. Appreciate that. <laughs> Appreciate that. Like, I'm supposed to be the writer here and you just put in the most eloquent, <laughs> most beautiful words ever. <laughs> nice. No, sometimes mm-hmm. sometimes we talk about philosophy, this man this man Edwin just pulls out some good points. Like you can tell your readings <laughs> about that stuff a lot. Yeah. But like, like all I can say is like that's true, bro. Word. <laughs> I just really love how you said like that's too easy about like money equals success because like that's kind of like the way that i think about it too like is the measure of success really the measure of how much money you have or is it the measure of how contented as you said you are in like your life you know and like yeah i feel like i definitely agree with you on that one and that's kind of like a mindset i've had probably for a couple years now but never one that i've been fully ready to commit to and I think within the last year or so, it's something that I've been beginning to get ready and like getting ready to commit to. And yeah, so just hearing that put in words was pretty cool from someone else other than myself. Yeah, it's it's real different to hear like, oh, like I'm not the only one that thinks about it like this. Like yeah. that's I, yeah, that's why I like sharing like viewpoints like that. But yeah, I I get that. I think like. Once you acknowledge that, like, life isn't supposed to be easy, like, everything kind of gets a little easier to, to deal with, you know? Yeah. Um, like, yeah. life is not supposed to be sunshine and rainbows. Yeah. It, it's, it's a constant, it's it like literally constant stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, I feel like for me, suffering, constant suffering is baseline. And, and that's good because then that means, like, I'll know when I'm happy, you know, like, because I won't feel like, you know like like well i mean i don't feel shitty <laughs> but like i know life is supposed to be shitty so like mm-hmm. the fact that i don't feel shitty right now makes me really happy to think about yeah and so, yeah if you view of life like that then you, you'll be happy for a lot of it and then like i mean in a way you can already say you're successful because you've already come to terms with the fact that mm-hmm. you know life is going to be a constant battle of like overcoming and writing and learning and like to me success sort of is is a measure of like your what's the word i'm looking for freaking like your drive like how much you're willing to just overcome and how much you're willing to keep working to get those happy moments even though you know that they're not always going to be a constant thing and i think once you accept the fact that like like it's gonna be hard but you're gonna keep on working to the where you know where you can enjoy it i feel like is when you really become successful 
don't know. Like in a sense, like I think being happy is a choice. Um, yeah. I mean, not always, obviously. Like you can't always be happy and choose to be happy. Yeah. But if you kind of like sit in the sadness, you know, for your whole like, it's kind of a fifty-fifty with life. Like you gotta like you gotta make the you gotta make the steps to to try to be happy, or yeah. else you'll never actually be happy. But yeah, I remember you said that on your Snapchat and something, and I like say that. <laughs> I think about yeah, it. Yeah, I was having a bad day. day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I write down a lot of mantras. Yeah, I think I think that uh, like the general idea of chasing happiness, not only is it not gonna contribute to any happiness, but it's gonna make you very, very tired. And it's gonna make you upset at the end of the day <laughs> once you realize that you're not gonna be able to obtain that happiness like getting let down literally every day yeah and that whole concept of like hustle culture that's like perpetrated by social media i think that's one of the worst things that has come out of social media that whole idea of hustle culture because it's it, it's definitely the, the the physical embodiment of the term like you know chasing the dragon like yeah Mm-hmm. I agree with that. It's my I just got out of my A I M A meeting, so it was interesting. But yeah. Yeah, chasing the dragon. I mean, for, I mean it depends it, it really depends where you come from, right? Like if you've been poor all your life and like you wanna change that, you know, you're gonna feel inclined to hustle. So I guess like it depends on our upbringing, you know, like like I don't think any of us here have been like have ever like starved, you know? Like, I see what you're saying. Like, it can be taken as like a motivational point for some people, yeah. and like for like some others, it can just be that's gonna create like false expectations of what life should be. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no. My only problem with hustle culture, honestly, is that not everyone who is out there hustling, as they say, is actually doing what they're doing, and they're making their life seem like something it's not and that can have such a negative effect on people who are looking up to them and being like dang I wish that could be me or you know I could be in their shoes and they try to do all the things that those people do but they aren't getting anywhere and it's because yeah that's exactly that's exactly what I mean yeah you know because working 16 hour days is not sustainable in any way and even if I doubt they're doing that most of the time. But you know, even if they are, that's not a way of life that you should be preaching. <laughs> you need your you need your sleep, you need your your diet. You need to be able to have time to, you know, not do anything. You're the same, even even God rested when he was making the earth. Yeah. Making the universe. So to say that we don't we can't we don't need rest, that's like it's totally a lie. Mm-hmm. Preposterous. And that just goes back to, like, you know, definitions of success, man. You know? Because like I, I can't personally keep up with a, a definition of success like that, you know? Like, constantly working. So I obviously have to retool it to my own, and I have to trust in myself to have a growing definition that I can confide in. Yeah. Right. Thank you. And that's why I don't like um, motivational speakers. Um, this is a thing that I, I've been kind of like really thinking about lately. It's just like, I feel like 
we kind of, or at least Western society is kind of like inclined to believe that you have to constantly be hustling. Um, it's kind of like um, how the FDA recommends that we all get 200 calories a, a day, you know, every person. But some people's bodies are tailored different. Some people need less. Some people need more. Um, right. And so, like, I think about how, like, motivational speakers are like, if you just get off your ass, you know, and you do this and you do this and you do that, you know, you'll be all right. They made it. You can make it. You're broke. Kind of like, yeah. It's kind of like, that's, like, real shitty to think about it that way. The fact, like, like my motivational style isn't the same as yours, you know. Um right. That's why I like Eastern. I like Eastern. Um, like they're they're. Um, I think it's Indian. I think it's like something like that. Where it's like they do. They they kind of divide up motivation, um, per, motivational personalities into three things. You know, uh, water. No, it's not. It's fire motivation, um, air motivation, and um, earth motivation. And fire is essentially. Um, uh, it's it's the one that most people believe in here. It's just like, oh, you gotta get fired up. You 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 like tackle like tasks. Like you wake up every day. You're like, oh, I'm ready to to do this. I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna get it done by the end of the day. That I'm more of a wind where I kind of flow towards different tasks. Like I can't stay on one task, you know, because I like I get very like bored of it or I get tired of it. So I have to put it down. I have to move on. Like. I be I be getting on to my art, and I, I stay on it for like two day for two two hours. I, I put it down. I practice guitar for thirty minutes. I talk to my friends for an hour, you know, because I get really really bored very easily. And then these mm-hmm. people that are very earth style motivation type, where they're kind of like they're very grounded, but it takes them a little while to to get started. Where they they kind of um they sit down, you know, and they work for a good amount of time, but or, or they don't work for a good amount of time, and then they kind of like they go at it, and so everybody's different, like and so that's, yeah, yeah. So everybody's different, you know, and and I think like yeah, that's kind of why I don't like um, Western culture or like Western, you know, you know, we we all gotta hustle because we don't, you know, like people like everybody's different, and essentially by saying that it's essentially like putting down people who aren't like that or who aren't able to have mm-hmm. that sort of, of or motivation. Or just don't want to. Like, you know, like... Yeah, exactly. People who literally yes. just yeah. don't want to do that. <laughs> they don't have Yeah, exactly. To. People are making them feel ashamed for it. I think that's a really good point about, like, the different types of motivation because, like, I remember being down, like, down bad, I'll just say that. And, like, the worst thing that people kept telling me was I just want you to do your best I just want you to do your best but literally at the time the best that I could do was be alive you know and it's like when you say things that are tailored to your thinking to people who don't necessarily think the same way it can oftentimes do a lot more harm than it does good and I think that that was just like a great point and I wanted to elaborate on (laughs) no yeah I get that yeah, that's kind of like how I felt too. You know, it's just like a lot of people they don't they don't want you to be your best. They want you to be like them. You know, I mean, like obviously they do care about you, but they think that the solution is the thing that's worked for them. 
Right. And I mean, like, that's not their fault because it's worked for them. So why wouldn't it work for someone else? You know, like they're very like cognitively, uh, like na- they're naturally, you know, like uh, what you may call it. They naturally lean towards solutions that are, you know, that have worked for them. But you know, like they, it's it's very easy to not take into account like that. Not everybody is like them. But, yeah, and it's essential to be able to pinpoint that yeah. and challenge it because it's going to make you a better friend, you know, better friend, partner, coworker, whatever. 